Hello and welcome to episode 130 of All Over the Place. I am your host, Eric Porvaznik, co-host Eric Porvaznik, and I see Mr. Culver, co-host, is in the house. Hello, Mr. JC. Hey, hey, how you doing, Mr. And, 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 and co-host Martin Zamora is now with us. Hello, Marty. Hello, hello. And welcome, folks, to us finally taking freestyle to the ultimate definition. It is no prep freestyle. We have no idea what the other people have brought to the table tonight. Typically, you know, we'll have, a, we'll discuss, you know, we'll throw the topics out a day or two beforehand. And, you know, sometimes a couple hours beforehand and gives us a little research time. But today at Martin's suggestion, no prep freestyle. I do my best work when I'm under pressure. <laughs> Some cutting edge uh, stuff we're doing here today. Th th this is <laughs> never before attempted on our show. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to see the room to Marty. This was your idea. What you got for us? What 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 are we talking about? All right. Well, how are we weighing in? Mine is a, mine is a bit of a I think uh, a, a good trend or a uh, uh, it's a happy happenstance and. Things are starting to swing, maybe swing kind of in the right direction. Uh, not just Bill Maher, not just John Stewart, but Russell Brand, three guys who were blinders on lefties just a, a year ago, let's say, are coming around. They're saying sensible things. They're calling out the the woke uh, craziness, you know. Uh, and saying, making sure they differentiate themselves. We're uh, Democrats. We're liberals. We are not woke. These people are nuts. And I think this is maybe a, a little chink in the armor. I mean, those I'll are three big personalities. Well, to their credit, both Bill Maher and Russell Brand have, their <laughs> pendulum has shifted a little bit before, actually a lot bit before John Stewart's did. John Stewart, I mean, it's great. Everyone has their the road to Damascus moment at, at, at a different time. John Stewart to me doesn't seem all that genuine though. Maybe I just haven't read enough about what he's, how he's been switching, but the latest things I've, I've seen are like, he still is not fully convinced that the left has gone as far left as they really have. Whereas yeah, the other yeah. two guys have, have been, uh, been much more, aware of that and have, and have been, been calling it out for a reason. Not that it, you know, again, I does Bill Maher even have his show on HBO anymore? Yes. With, with the, yeah. so, I mean, does he still stack the panel with majority lefties? Not necessarily. I mean, sometimes, but. Because it's always been the one token conservative. It, much like, yeah. you know, the, the ladies on The View, they, they think they're diverse when they put one voice of reason on there. Yeah, and then scream her down. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, it's the same thing with Mars. It's what he's been doing for twenty plus, or almost twenty years, or maybe more. So yeah, he he's still going, and he uh, it it seems to be like he's the furthest. Well, uh, Russell Brown's the furthest along, but uh, John Stewart is, I think, is in his infancy of realizing like this might be a sinking ship. I'm starting to sound ridiculous, um, but the, uh, you're right. The other two are are uh, further along, a year plus. Uh, and Russell Brand, he was a lefty, but he was never uh, he was never all on board with the Democrats and all that. He was just 
a very uh, social thinking, you know, love people type guy. He's kind of and, useful, uh, frankly. He's what? He was kind of a useful idiot for the left for a long time. Yeah. Until, until he got more red pilled. Um, yeah, I'm going to second Eric and just say that, that John Stewart, I don't think he's really waking up. I think he's he's he said some smart things, but based on what I've heard about the things he's been saying on his on his I think it's an Apple TV podcast or Apple podcast he's on. He's still very much in the kind of woke left column. I think he just got some things right in, in a, a blind squirrel finding a nut kind of category. Um, I mean, it remains to be seen whether that will push him further in the right direction, but there've actually been quite a few celebrities that have been kind of stepping up more about, about COVID restrictions. Uh, we had Tilda Swinton recently. We had, uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, even Tim Robbins, who frankly, I, I had written off as, as just a complete nutball a long time ago. Yeah. They, yeah, they, so they, I mean, they definitely are speaking some sanity. Uh, I mean, it took them three years and a, a change in political party in power to, to finally step up and say it, but, uh, you know, uh, but I guess at their convenience, they finally started telling the truth. Um, you know, I, yeah, I absolutely would love to see this be kind of a, a movement toward more common sense in this, in this topic, but, uh, I don't know. I just don't see it gaining enough traction. We'd have to have a lot more people getting on board and because you, you, you kind of need a lot of people speaking out to push back against this kind of runaway train of the, of the media narrative. Uh, and I'm just not seeing quite enough pushback to get there, but I definitely hope this is the beginning of something bigger. Well, what I noticed with Woody Harrison and that monologue, holy shit. <laughs> beautiful. I don't care what he was smoking ahead of time. I don't, it doesn't matter. The fact that the left got their panties in such a collectivist bunch the next day and just the reactions to it, you know, the guy's right. And we, oh, we, yeah. well, anyone who's been thinking not, you know, not with what's being spoon fed to them over the last three years, especially, we get it. But again, it's, it's just these little bits. And Jimmy, I, I don't disagree with you about, you know, it gaining traction, but every little bit grinding in the mud does help. And, and I, I saw something recently. I, I don't know, uh, you know how recent it's been before it gets to the TikTok clips that I see or the reels or whatever it is on Facebook. But did Bill Mar recently have Greg Gutfeld on his show? Because it looked like Gutfeld, and the guy was wearing a Vandals T-shirt, and I know it's one of Gut's favorite bands. Which yeah, I, I, I think so. Yes, I I think that is a thing. Um, okay, so for the fact that he's having someone and, and and Gutfeld, as much as he leans to the right, I mean, he like Mar more libertarian than defining himself as a conservative or a leftist or a liberal. And I, I hate to call them liberals; we know they're not. But uh, at least in the truest definition of the sense but the just these little things helps and it counters it and we just looked at the academy awards and i don't want to get into that uh you know the results of the academy awards and there's there's enough stuff out there already just uh laughing at the lack of audience and everything but america's waking up slowly and for me uh, concert season is upon us again, and you know we're 
Christine and I, we were setting out our map for the year. And I, I certainly don't want to alienate any of the bands who cheered on Biden getting elected or and cheered on and acquiesced to to all the mandates that were thrown out there. And then they all curled into their little little field position and said, yeah, yes, government, yes, we'll do whatever you say. But what I want to know moving forward is, are they going to have their road to Damascus moments? And can we count on people paying attention to, and especially, and we'll, we'll use the January 6th footage coming out so we can, the truth as it is, as it happened, as chronicled in Nick Searcy's Capital Punishment documentary, these things are starting to come to light. And, uh, but are, are the artists, and like a Tilda Swinton and a Woody Harrelson, are, are they going to just stand up and say, you know what? Now that we know we were fed bullshit for three years, are we going to stay on the road? Are we are we just going to take care of ourselves personally, but we're not going to shut down the industry? Do, do we have, a, again, every little bit helps, but what, where do you guys see it going with artists? Well, I don't, I don't see them uh, taking a stand, if that's kind of what you're alluding to, but I do see them... Or again, um, just more, more, more being the free thinkers that they claim to be, and and, and the rebels that they claim to be, and, and not acquiescing to, oh, here, here's uh, you know uh, variant X of the COVID oh, I virus. See. I see, I see. I think it's now far less likely that they're gonna that they're gonna bow down to this this stuff in the light of reason, in the light of, hey, look around, it stopped happening. You know, it's, uh, there's, I think, and this is just my opinion, I think that the the ship has sailed on COVID. I think they... But has it? Because we, I, I look at some of the things that Nick Searcy and, and other uh, uh, people share on Twitter. Hollywood is still, for the little people, the people aren't not on camera, all the behind-the-scenes people are still wearing masks. And, like, and as Jim said, you know, Tilda Swinton standing up saying, I'm not going to do it. When I'm not on camera, and uh, well, well, yeah, but be. we need them to start defending the people who are behind the scenes. The the sheep, the the the, the unwashed masses, still have to wear theirs. Well, Hollywood will be the last to admit they were wrong, but they won't admit they were wrong. They'll just quietly, like everywhere else, just just it's okay. Just stop wearing them, um, I, because um, I've said this my whole life, or at least my whole adult life. Once it occurred to me what was really happening and why why things happen the way they do is humans love to forget. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to forget. It's our favorite thing. And I don't know if it's something ingrained in us because we have to every day ignore the fact that a piano is hanging over our head. Like we're aware of our mortality. Oh, I'm not sure. Or it's just, uh, you know, it doesn't feel so good to admit that or to think about something that was horrible so we're going to move on from covid and everyone's going to pretend like it didn't go down the way it did just so we can all get along and be nice to each other again and you know they uh they milked everything they could out of you know the 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 jab you know they they these uh you know the pfizer what were they 98 billion and the year before it was 38 billion i mean i think they've fleeced us as much as they could have and now well they see that it's coming and less and less people are bought in and 
I think it's just going to go away and be forgotten like it never happened. And everyone who screamed us down is going to pray we don't bring it up. And they'll scream that we're racist. Well, and I, I, you guys are the ones in, in, the, in the leftist controlled states. As there, and last I heard, and please do correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Marty in California, Gavin Newsom was still having that state of emergency. Was it through the end of this month or was it through the end of April? I, I you know, whatever conveniently got in whatever special elections are going on. I figure that's what it's tied to. But are, are there still mandates going on even in the slightest for you guys? Uh, well, I know uh, their public transportation has mandates. That's See? still going on. Um, as far as uh, private businesses, there's nothing, nothing there. Um, I went into a clinic the other day and they asked me to wear a mask. Asked um, you or, or required you? No, they forced me. <laughs> uh, I said asked, but I really meant to say forced. Uh, but once oh, I was so in They still home, consider it a requirement. Yes. they get, As soon as I walked in without one, they handed me one. Put this on, sir. And so, and I sent you the picture of my glasses all fogged yeah, up. Mm -hmm, yeah. I wonder if there's any virus in that fog that's blasting out the top of my mask. See, and now I more fully understand your question. Can I sue if I trip and fall? You should have tripped. You should yeah. have had a lawsuit ready to go. You made me wear this mask that leaked all over my glasses, fogged them up, and I fell. But when I got into the doctor, went into my room, mm -hmm. and the doctor, it was a nurse practitioner, she came in. I had already taken the mask off, and uh, uh, I picked it up to put it back on, and... And I said, you need me to put this on? She goes, oh, God, no. And she turns off. <laughs> so, you know, I can tell what the medical field feels about all of this. But yeah. they didn't They didn't stand up when they needed to. But, again, moving forward, we've got, you know, and I, I – Jim, what, what, what about you guys? Your, yeah, your neck this, of the woods. It's, it's basically the same story up here is, is they're not really required anywhere except in – uh, any kind of medical office. Uh, in fact, I, I just got back from the dentist uh, a little while ago, and I'm I'm just trusting this conversation is not a hallucination brought on by the uh, anesthesia. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they required they required masks basically the whole time, which I think is the most hilarious thing ever. That you have to wear a mask before you go back and have someone work on your teeth uh, for an hour, and then you have to put the mask oh. back on because. Uh, you, know, you wouldn't wouldn't want to be spreading germs to the people that are going to be sticking their hands and and looking at your your mouth for an hour. Um, but uh, yeah, any kind of medical office you have, you still have to wear it. Um, I don't think it's required anywhere else anymore. But I mean, you know, I still go to my my local grocery store, and you'll see maybe thirty to fifty percent of the people with masks on uh, that, that, just voluntarily. See, and that that's so what kills me. And I, I made yeah. a joke about this. I, I shared the the meme early on with this stuff on Facebook, and, and I really all of this stuff is anecdotal. I understand that, but uh, Bob, Bob, uh, Bobby Hill, it was it was a picture from uh, the King of the Hill, and he's wearing he has a mask. And says, "Look, I'm a Japanese I'm a Japanese tourist." here's the thing if you want, I, I hate hearing the well. If you want to wear one, you should be allowed to wear one. You know what? How many of these people who subscribe to that theory were wearing a mask prior to to the the scare that was put into them in, uh, three years ago? None. Yeah, because okay, look back what 10, 15, 20 years ago, all these different viruses and all these different pandemic scares they tried to foist upon us before the latest one succeeded. 
did did yeah. you if you were doing it then fine i won't begrudge you but there's too many people who acquiesce and says well it's their right to do it if they want to no that's going to keep perpetuating it and jim as a fellow catholic i don't mean uh communion uh the, the whole eucharist are, are you guys uh does your parish uh are, are they doing the body and blood of christ or is it still just the body of christ in your parish they're, they're doing they're going whole hog they're doing both see and i don't have that here yet i mean it's a diet diocesan choice and mm -hmm. again there's still too many people and subscribing to this maybe it's because there's the elderly here and i realize at-risk people i'm not but at the same time were you doing this beforehand and it, again it comes yeah. down to when should your fears supersede anyone else's freedoms yeah you don't want to take it doing... stay home at risk, you people were do doing it. things in public, and they weren't scared of a of a flu, which could hit them right. harder than COVID. Every every bit is bad. Every bit is contagious. Yeah, but now all of a sudden mm -hmm. they're supposed to act like Adrian Monk for the rest of their lives, and I just say forget that. Well, here's something that occurs to me, and I and I and I don't ask people because I'm a polite person, and I just I don't like picking fights with people. I mean, what, I just don't feel the need to make feel someone feel stupid, but but. <clears throat> I want to ask him, like, you, why are you wearing a mask? Well, you know, do you realize the same folks who said you should wear it have now said you don't need to? The same people, so it's okay. They've now said, you didn't, you don't, you not paying attention? No, they said it's okay. The same people that said you should. No, nothing. Just gonna keep wearing it, huh? Okay. Well, I, I got to tell you, when people started wearing those during, you know, at the beginning. That scared me when I started seeing everyone in those masks. That scared me more than the lockdowns or anything else. And the reason is because it reminded me of SARS. And, it, you uh -huh. know, because once people started wearing masks in China or, or as Trump with China, um, once people started wearing those, SARS went away, but they kept wearing them for year, year after year after year. And even even Chinese immigrants in my neighborhood continue, continued to wear them, you know, 10, 15 years after it was over. And it was like it just became part of their culture, part of their society. And for, for no apparent reason other than, well, at some point, society told us this was going to keep us safe. So we have to keep doing it forever to stay safe. And so as soon as I saw people here in the States wearing it, I knew that for some people, they were going to hold out and continue to wear them for the rest of their lives. They're going to be wearing them in 50 years. I, I mark my words, I'm telling you. Because as soon as as soon as... They listen, you know, because some some people just whatever society tells them, they'll do it. So as soon as society told them this thing is a magical germ shield that will keep you safe from getting sick, they're just they, they just they just absorb that lesson. And even and, you know, even if COVID never come, comes along again, I think in 50 years, they're still going to be wearing those things. Well, it, it's easier to fool someone than convince them they'd be fooled. They've been. Let me try that one again. It's easier to fool someone than convince them they've been fooled. And, 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 and you will subscribe to the false narrative that was shoved down your throat and no one will use critical thought because critical thought's not, not around anymore, or at least it's disappeared far too much. Well, nobody likes admitting they're wrong. People get mad at if you tell them, if you, if you prove them wrong, they don't, they don't thank you. They get mad because nobody likes well, to admit. Well, and, 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 when, and when did this happen? Because, you know, I, I've always been, again, no one likes to admit what they're wrong, but you know what, when you screw up, you screw up. I put my hand up, mea culpa. All right, fine. What? I can learn something from this. 
but again, it, it, does how much does this stem from? And this is we're going to kind of very quickly veer off into where I wanted to go tonight, and then we can loop back around. But my thing about you know the next generation and this lack of critical thought and the participation trophy can't tell someone that they're wrong. Everyone's a precious little snowflake whose parents have told them, you know, over the last 15, 20, probably almost 30 years now, you know what, your, your feelings matter more than, you know, what reality is. And well, we, we can't have uh, a debate anymore. If I might interject to that point about people, you can't tell people, you can't explain things to people that already believe it because they get offended. They've been told they're special, their feelings yep. are special, and what they think, right or wrong, is special. Here's a, here's a good example. May of 2020, this came right from the CDC website. Disposable, disposable medical masks, also known as surgical masks, are those fitting devices that were designed to be worn by medical personnel to protect accidental contamination of patient wounds and to protect the wearer against splashes or sprays of body fluid. There is limited evidence for the effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmissions, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systemic or systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory confirmed influenza. May of 2020. But that's what the media anybody perpetuated. I to acted like I was crazy. I I I didn't make this up. They wrote it. Well, and, and this goes <laughs> to you know what was said earlier about you know coming together for the greater good or whatever it is. I don't think that can. Well, it, I, I want to say it can't happen. It's going to be more difficult because right now it, there's such a tribal mentality, and people are digging their heels in on the left and the right. And, you know, more so on the left. Uh, but, yeah, it's much like Trump could have said up, they would say down, no matter what was, how right it was or correct it was. Or, and now they're, now they're saying, you know, well, even a guy like Woody Harrelson, who the left has loved for years, golden child, pot smoking, free, you know, free thinking, liberal, everything. And all of a sudden he strays from the ranch. And and he's he's cast out because yeah. it doesn't fit the narrative. And you know we're going to circle the wagons, and and that's and, and you're gone. And not so, many challenged what he said. They all just made fun of him and talked stuff about talk shit about his character. Yeah, but not yeah. not too many challenged what he actually says. And, and then it comes back to you know why I I, I wanted to resurrect the 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 three donia and and just to find our similarities. And, and we can disagree. I, I don't mind agreeing to disagree, but because it, it's such a tribal and everything gets, or far too many things get politicized, we, we can't find, or it's more difficult to find the common ground. And some people just will not find the common ground. You're, you're, you're the devil. If, if you think even one thing wrongs me, I can live with 60, 75% to get along with somebody commonality. Well, as, as you say, it's very tribal. And so yeah. it's not about agreeing on everything is it's about saying this person is is one of us he's there on our side and not on not on the other side who are the bad people you know and i and i've been you, you mentioned woody harrelson and some others that have kind of strayed off the ranch you know i i started i kind of paid attention to some of these celebrities that 
that kind of came out as conservatives, you know, the, uh, the Kevin Sorbos and the Gina Caranos and, um, or, or, you know, right of center, shall we say. Um, and, you know, I kind of noticed the reaction to it was, you know, they would say, you know, a Kevin Sorbo or Dean Cain would go on Twitter and say one conservative thing and people would get annoyed at him or they'd roll like lefties would get annoyed or they'd roll their eyes, but they wouldn't really go after him that much. They would just kind of, uh, bristle. And then, but then if, if they said it, you know, two or three more times, two or three more, you know, kind of conservative statements, they would just completely lose it. Because, you know, if, if you start showing a pattern of being a free thinker or of not following the, not conforming to the left, then you effectively, then they effectively label you as not part of their tribe. And that's when they lose it and just completely cast you out. And so that's what's what I saw is it's like, you know, you, you know, somebody like Kevin Sorbo could say one conservative thing, but after he says three things, he's done. I mean, his career's over, his fame is over, and they just label him a horrible person every day for the rest of his life. I, I still see it like on social media, somebody will post in some group about, <clears throat> you know, the, the, Her the old Hercules show, and the, the comments will be full of people saying, oh, he's just the most horrible person ever. And they probably haven't even seen anything he actually said. But the point was, is, is he just showed enough of a pattern of opinions that he showed he wasn't part of their tribe anymore. And so they just completely, um, just completely cast him out. And so I think that's kind of what's going on with, you know, the Woody Harrelsons and the John Stewart's is they're, they're kind of allotted one or two free thoughts that don't, that don't conform. And then after that, they have to curb it or else it's over for them. And I think, I think they're probably wise enough to know that, which is why we're not hearing a whole lot more from them now. And I, I want to bring up uh, his recent Netflix special, uh, Chris Rock. Within, I, within it, he had some really, you know, uh, right-leaning or right-of-center thoughts. And I, I started to think, well, may, maybe there's been a, enough of an influence from his buddy, uh, Adam Sandler, who is uh, you know, most definitely a, a right-of-center guy, thought process-wise and patriotic and everything of that nature. And But Chris, Chris Rock is... Uh, we, we, oh, I've seen a lot of conservatives latch on to Chris Rock. And although he's, it's just one or two things within that special that were right of center more than you would expect from him and trying to embrace him and make him, make him our, you know, our own. And where I'm just like, okay, well, here's some commonality. I'm not going to try and completely co-opt this guy, but I, I, I'm, I think maybe it makes us more willing to listen to some of what he has to say, or, or do you see it? Well, actually, have you guys seen the special, any of it or uh, all of it? I've only seen clips of it. I mean, do, do you think it's enough to, well, in particular, his thing on abortion was very similar to what Bill Burr has said. And he's like, you know, women having the right to choose. Sure. Okay. Right to do that. But never forget you are killing a baby. It is murder. So I mean, it's which is something that you typically don't hear from someone on the left. So I mean, could this be another road to Damascus moment, or is it just like a little trickle and and he'll go back in just after the reaction hurt and brings him back to their herd? I, I think he's always been kind of a not maybe not a centrist, but he's always been kind of an independent thinker. I mean, you, you go back you go back and watch some of his '90s specials like Bring the Pain. I mean, it is absolute. He would absolutely be canceled nowadays for that. Um, but I mean, it was a different time where there were different cultural standards, but still, um, 
no, I think um, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of been, he's always been some, somewhat of a free thinker, but he's always been someone on the left. And I think they, I think the left knows that. And I think he always will come back to that. Um, he'll, he'll always, Which is he'll fine. always, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't think he'll ever stray off the left enough to, to get himself canceled or, or persona non grata. I think he just kind of occasionally dips his foot in the toe or his toe in the, his dips his toe in the, the waters of, of free thought and then goes, and then goes running back to the other, to, to his side. How much of that though, do you think is part of being a comedian though? Well, I think, I mean, I think it's a lot of it because, you know, comedy really has to come from, from free thought, you know, it has to come from, from having this muse and, and just following it wherever, wherever it leads, because that's where the humor comes from. You know, we've seen so many comedians that just absolutely bomb because they're trying so hard to to stay in a box and doesn't not offend anybody on their side. And they're never funny. You know, you just can't make you can't make comedy out of that because that's not that's not how comedy works. So, yeah, I think um, I, I think I think comedians get a pass because I think people instinctively understand that, you know, to make comedy, you have to push the boundaries a little bit or else it's just not funny. So, um, and I, I think Chappelle honestly got away with that excuse for a while until he pushed it too far. I think Burr gets away with it and he, he walks that line beautifully. He, he can push it, but still, but still, you know, be, be on the left and still be accepted by them because he doesn't push it too far. He always tells a joke and then come then and then kind of steps back on, on his side. Well, he is willing to, to make fun of both sides and yeah. Since he seems to uh, bash the right a little more than the left, maybe quite a little more than the left, uh, he's able to, to be able to do that, keep walking that line. As long as he stays uh, majority beat up on the right, well, you know, he's, he's brilliant at walking that line and not pushing him too far. Well, you yep. got to be invited back to the next gig, got to be at the next party. You got to do that. But again, if you're making enough people uncomfortable on the left, no matter how much you kowtow to it, you're not going to get invited back to the party. But, I think the only place he, he's not going to get invited back is Philadelphia. <laughs> well, and uh, the, uh, also just recently uh, on Netflix, uh, the Burt Kreischer, his latest one, Razzle Dazzle, cannot recommend that one enough. It, it he's, I didn't know this guy until he he played recently uh, at the Mullet Arena, and I got to catch. I was working guest services for three out of his four nights hilarious stuff and i'm glad it's finally out for everybody else to to hear what uh we got over the course of those four nights and he is not he's apolitical for the most he's a little jab in at the uh the uh january 6th he called them the capital stormers which i, I love that narrative is getting beat to shit now too uh wonder if he'll ever walk back that back but uh but he there's a part in the special where he talks about being a, not necessarily a right of center, but certainly right of center of most. He lives in LA. So the people in the school systems there and the, the Beverly Hills crowd. And he tells people at the start of the, the setup for this joke, he's like, okay, people, please do not insert your politics into this run with this story. And that I think, makes for a, a good way to, to break down a barrier perhaps is just like set it aside let's just laugh and funny is funny and and i'm glad uh, christine made a good point there and and jim I, I loved your response to it was just like comedy is meant to piss people off 
Steve Martin said it brilliantly on an LP that uh, my dad had years ago. Comedy is not pretty. Art is not supposed to be pretty. Art is supposed to. Well, certain art is supposed to get under your skin or entertain you and, and, and not preach. Or it can be preachy, but it's just, but comedy, you, you're going to offend somebody. Someone is always going to get tweaked, no matter what. And if, if you do, move on, because you may laugh at the next thing. Yeah. But there's a certain tolerance there, and I think it's walking a fine line of pushing the envelope and making people think without beating them over the heads with it. Yes. Yeah, and I think that goes to anything you don't you don't want to oh and I you know just again beat somebody over the head with it. Just get 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 the thought processes working a little bit. Oh, that was funny. Why was that funny? Oh, maybe my tribal mentality is not the way way to go. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos these days of comedians getting heckled by audience members, and it's usually because one joke out of, you know, two hours of material rubs someone the wrong way. And it's kind of, you know, and, and so they, they start heckling, acting like the joke was targeted at them personally, you know, and, and, and usually it's just because they take themselves and their, you know, quote unquote identity a little too seriously, you know? So when somebody tells, somebody tells a joke about anything else, it's fine. But if you tell a joke about my identity, then suddenly I'm offended and I have to, I have to, interrupt the entire show to tell you how that that offended me and was wrong so you know it's it's like okay you're laughing until your your own ox is gored well you gotta you gotta learn how to deal with that too and you know this is somebody who who uh, used to go to stand-up shows in seattle all the time and i mean you know for about 10 years i couldn't get to go through a single show with me telling a, a bush's stupid joke and Good God, did those get tiring <laughs> after 10 years. Oh, and but, then, then it just morphed into after eight years of Obama. And I was fortunate that I was uh, ty- uh, doing things with Evan Sayed and his right to laugh comedy as a reaction to all that stuff. But then as soon as Trump comes, in, comes into office, it's just rinse, cycle, repeat. Just insert Trump derangement syndrome for Bush derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then that got tiring quickly. So... You know, to your to your subject matter, Eric. Um, since I think we're we're moved into yours, um, oh, however, however, accidental. <laughs> yes, um, you know, you, you uh, Jim, Jim, you made a good point about you know, and until you're until it's time for everyone to laugh at your thing, you know, you're okay. You're laughing at everybody's religion or their politics until it's yours, and then all of a sudden you're offended. And to what you were talking about, Eric, about how people are now. Uh, you, it's uh, weak, weak-minded, emotionally unstable, and uh, just irrational uh, fear of any sort of reason, and especially any sort of uh, sort of uh, back and forth. <laughs> you can't have it now. It's uh, a whole lot of reason, a lot less rhyme. <laughs> yeah, or well, like you've got, a you got people like. being. I mean, you got people being basically brainwashed to say that the the personal is political now, and you know, there's all these, you know, all these all these ideas about, uh, you know, systematic this and 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 power, you know, uh, power struggles that, and the idea, is, oh, you can't make fun of this identity because 
they're, you know, they're, they're an inherent, they're inherently oppressed and you're inherently an oppressor. Therefore you're, you know, it's an act of bigotry to make fun of them. You know, they, they just get, they just get filled up with all this identity politics and it just sucks the sense of humor right out of them because they're just looking for an excuse to be offended at something. That's, you know, that's what they've been trained to do. And so comedy is for them. Comedy is, is just another thing where they're uh, another place where they can look to be offended. And you, you kind of have to turn that switch off if you're in, if you're in, uh, if you, you know, if you're in a comedy arena, I mean, uh, I think, I think it was, uh, um, Dennis Miller who, who, who said, uh, look, there's the real world and there's the joke world and the joke world can get tough. So wear a cup. Huh. You know? And, uh, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the bottom line is, you know, comedy's comedy and sometimes political comedy is lazy. I don't really like it. I think, uh, when a comedian starts telling political jokes and everyone, everyone cheers, it starts to be less like comedy and more like a meeting. But, you know, at the same time, it just it's just part of, of the experience. So you just got to roll with it. And, and I think that goes for the right as well as the, as the left. And that's something that Evan and I, Evan said and I had discussed. I mean, at what point does it just become a rally? At what point does it, does it become uh, not so much indoctrination is too strong a word, but again, just the, the preaching to the choir to, to get the laugh. And, and that to me isn't comedy, whether it's from the right or from the left. Yeah, that is lazy. For sure. Not that Evan could not be funny. Evan, oh, hilarious, hilarious guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's just one, one of those things that I, I, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, the right can't be guilty of the same thing as the left. It's just, we, we see it a lot less because it's just what, what's been put out there is it's, it's a left dominated media. Yes. And uh, this, um, to Jim's point about, uh, you know, just more political humor and it just gets tiresome and it, uh huh. George Bush is an idiot. Okay, maybe, maybe not. That was funny the first four times you said it, but you know, can you move forward? I got this same feeling, and you know, unless somebody could see what I look like, they would be offended. You know, uh, with the quote unquote Mexican comedy, um, it's ridiculous. Um, George Lopez has been telling the same basic joke <laughs> for twenty five years. You got to beat in my chest. I can't breathe. Mexicans are awesome. White people are stupid, pendejo, racist. And if you say anything else, you are too. And fuck white people. You know, and that's like, that's his, that's his thing. That's his, uh, and it's just, you know, and and a lot of these uh, Hispanic or Mexican comics do the same thing. And it's a, is that like, is that all you got? That's all your material? It's just, let me just make a bunch of, uh, a bunch of observations about life in a, in a Hispanic home that are funny and, and then shit on Whitey and thank you. Good night. Like you've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, you got anything else? He's had two shows that were exactly that. And uh, it's, you know, so to go along with the, it's easy to know. Well, let's just make George Bush jokes. Those are easy. You know, when you're lazy. Yeah. That was the thing is, I mean, I, you know, I would, I would laugh at a George Bush's dumb joke if it was funny, but a lot of the time it it was really lazy. It was obvious the comedian wasn't trying. I mean, they, they would do an hour of actually funny material. And as soon as they got to the George Bush jokes, it's like they, they would just turn their, their, um, their wit off and just say, Oh, look how stupid he is. And they would, they would repurpose some, some ancient joke from 20 years ago about, you know, stupid people in general and just add his name to it. 
Yeah. And it's it's like they weren't even putting any effort into it. But, you know, the crowd would cheer because it was Seattle. So who cares? You're getting a cheer and people are people are happy they paid their money because they're all lefties. And, you know, why, why bother to try? So and it's like I don't give a shit about George Bush. Honestly. If he does yeah. something stupid and it's funny and you made a funny joke. Great. That's awesome. But yeah. like, how about you be creative? How about you be funny? Because you, you know what is open for there's like maybe one or two subjects that I really don't think you should make jokes about, but like, it's almost everything. Like really only child abuse is really the, and maybe rape, like those two, everything else. Yes. Even murder. You can make jokes about someone getting murdered. Everything else should be on the table. Unless it's hackney and you're just being stupid. If it's funny, it's funny. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, say it ain't so, OJ. (laughs) I mean, uh, look at Joe Rogan. I mean, uh, aside from his podcast, he's had a really good comedy career. He's one of my favorite comics, let alone the other stuff. But he doesn't—he doesn't have punchlines. He doesn't—he just talks about the world and the funny shit going on in it, and he doesn't hold back on anybody. Really, he just. He says whatever he thinks is funny. He writes jokes about things that occur to him that are funny. And he doesn't care who's offended. And, of course, now he's big enough that he doesn't have to care. But, uh, you know, these are gone are the days, man. And I was going to touch on that. You have to be a certain size celebrity to be able to have a little bit of carte blanche. Um, Mark Wahlberg, did you catch him with the Ash Wednesday thing? No. Yeah, he, uh, he was doing I did, yeah. It was a neat the, interview. Yeah, so like uh, I, he won't be canceled. There's going to be people that are going to complain, but we won't get any traction because everybody loves Mark, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to get any anything out of that. Well, yeah, he helped launch an app. I think it was during Lent. Uh, called I think it was called Hallow, and it was yeah, well, Hallow. Oh, you know, actually, Hallow's oh. been around, but he's introducing it to a bigger audience. And now, now I know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, because well, ha- yeah. Hallow's existed for at least a couple of years. I jumped on it about a year and a half ago and Mark Wahlberg is involved with it now coming off of the father Sue stuff last year as he has become a much more vocal Catholic. And so, yeah, he, he's one of the, the voiceover guys on it, re- reading prayers. Yeah. He get and he, after he gave that a bump, I think, I, I think I remember reading that hello got more downloads from the app store than anything else that day, including, you know, Yahoo and like all the, all the, all the big ones. So, 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 so there's some pendulum swinging, but, but like, like I say, anything that's echo chambery is just not going to ultimately will lose. It's funny. And, and you're just, it's the division that I can't stand. And uh, I, I think back to when I was on uh, Carl Kozlowski's old show back, back in LA and uh, he would have a panel of four people on. And one of the panelists was a guy who was the, uh, on the diversity board for the writers on SNL. And I asked him, how many conservatives writers did, did you allow a diverse voice in that regard? And he waffled and hemmed and hawed and ultimately the answer said, yes or no. And and he said, no, we, we, we don't want to have any conservative writers on the, the conservative perspective, which is sad for SNL. Again, comedy is supposed to be attacking. It's the court jester and they're supposed to go after. And I, I, I missed the 90s where – and wherein I think that Bill Clinton was the, the last Democrat president 
to realize jokes could be told at his expense. And he would laugh them off and just say, well, <laughs> you know, oh, shucks. Yeah, you can admit it. And there is the ultimate rope. Can, can you admit to, to having foibles? We're not perfect. And the left has a harder time admitting that. And well, especially well, the, the I, I don't want to throw all the, but Democrat politicians and big Democrat uh, personalities, the left of center personalities and celebrities, they don't want to admit it, which is why you know, when you get someone like a Chris Rock or a, or a Woody or any, again, going back to those guys and you point out a foil and say, oh shit, they're the devil now. But like, like we're saying, just every little chink in the armor, every little thing can help get the pendulum swinging back. So, uh, how far are we into this little thing we call all over the place? All over the place is no prep freestyle is now at 45 or closing in on 45 minutes. And Jim, what do you got for us tonight? Hit us. Well, I was, yeah, I was actually planning to talk about the Oscars, but, uh, after, after, yeah, but so thanks for mentioning earlier that we didn't need to talk about that. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I, that was me. I didn't want to talk. I don't want that to be my subject. But hey, go, run with it because I, the more I sit and look back on this, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I don't plan on watching the Oscars ever again unless they get someone besides Jimmy Kimmel hosting again, an echo, an echo chamber host. But I'm reading a lot of good stuff about it. Whether it was you know little, little the guy the guy who played Short Round and the embrace with Harrison Ford and just so I mean there were some good things that come out of it. So yeah, run baby. That's your that's your subject. This is no prep. Well, I will admit I did not did not watch it, so I'm in the position of talking about something I didn't see. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, there from what I understand, there were some good things. Definitely, uh, short round and uh, Brendan Fraser getting finally getting some getting the comebacks they've deserved for a very long time. That was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the ratings are pretty abysmal. They're, they they got less than 19 million, which the media is trying to. Is oh it's the third best watched uh, uh, award show in three years and yeah that's, that's Ooh, some, scrape that barrel <laughs> some, yeah since since the pandemic but it's actually the third worst uh, rated rating in history so uh, what is that down so, from because well, wasn't it twenty was, was twenty one million last year no it was it was actually sixteen point six million last year oh so it is a slight bump up okay it's a slight right. bump. But it was 16 million before that, and that was during the, the, the when when the virus basically shut Hollywood down. Uh, but I mean, it's been a, it's actually been in the, the ratings have actually been in a pretty steady decline for about the last 10 years. Uh, up until then, it was I mean they were consistently getting 30, 40, 50 million views every year, uh, and it just started dropping as Hollywood got more woke by pure coincidence, I'm sure. And mm. now it's I mean now it's down to yeah less than 19 million. Uh, and I mean, I mean, I didn't watch it and I don't think I know anybody watch it. Even, even the movie buffs I know were not into it. Uh, I have a friend down in LA who's a huge movie buff. Um, he used to, he used to do, uh, you know, Oscar watch parties every year and everything. This year he messaged me and said, have you seen any of the Oscar movies? And I said, no. And he said, me neither. <laughs> Cause he, nobody cares. But, um, <clears throat> but you know, I mean, other than, other than Maverick was the only one anybody cared about. And uh, you know, they, they tried to hype that up in the marketing and, you know, they had marketing with Jimmy Kimmel and the, in the, in the, like, in like the Maverick jacket and everything, but Tom Cruise didn't even bother to show up and, uh, and it, it didn't win any awards and, you know, well, so it was just one, one technical award, just right. it won one technical award, but, yeah. uh, but you know, I mean, that was, 
by far one of the best movies of the year. And, uh, and you know, it, in Steven Spielberg's words, it was the movie that saved, saved Hollywood's ass. And, uh, but, you know, but of course, they, of course uh, the Academy just likes to give it out to the usual Oscar bait. So, um, I, I, it is, I don't know that I would say, though, that everything everywhere all at once being a usual Oscar bait type movie. I mean, if you saw that, it was pretty weird. It was a super, super weird movie, but it was awesome. And it was yeah. not really I don't I don't know if it was super Oscar y in my book, but it was a really great movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it was very offbeat as as Oscar movies go, but it did have some some uh some similar themes like the the mother accepting her gay daughter and things like that um but yeah i mean it was definitely uh off the wall as 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 oscar winners go but um I, you know a lot of the other nominees were were definitely oscar bait um there were very few mainstream movies uh that were they, that got any kind of nomination so I, you know, I'm just bummed. And, and I, look, I like Brendan Fraser. I have for years. Uh, I think he's a, he's a fun actor. But Colin Farrell got he he got jobbed. At minimum, his eyebrows should have won an award for Banshees of Anna Sharon. That was an acting tour de force for him. <laughs> and his without game, win best costume every year. And, and without again, not taking anything away from the performance, he did what he did, and you know, it's just like De Niro gaining weight for. Raging Bull way back when, but you know, gaining weight does not equal Oscar. <laughs> Acting equals Oscar. I'm still that much of a a, a, a performance kind of guy. But again, I haven't seen The Whale. I have, I've heard more bad than good from about the movie as a whole. I hear Brendan Fraser's great in it, but I don't know if I want to sit through an entire movie of Drek just to watch a great performance. Yeah, well, I think I just, question, uh, sorry, go ahead, Marty. It seems like it was a, uh, well, he's a good guy. He deserved, let's give him one. It's a comeback story. And I think everybody got behind that. And that right. probably gave him a nice good push because it was a feel-good story. All right, fair enough. I, I, I will be less less critical of, of the weight gain thing. Fine. I, I'll, I, I'll go I back to Brendan Fraser's a good dude, has I, been for I, years. I less about Brendan Fraser. I've never met him. Um, but I think that's how this got traction as it felt good to root for the kind of comeback, you know, and tell you what, if they want to get some ratings, book Ricky Gervais, everybody's going to watch that. Oh, they'll yeah, never Ricky let him Gervais, back in that building. <laughs> never again. He'll, he'll do for them what he, what he did. Anyway, it'll never book, happen. Yeah. Book Chris Rock. Don't ever talk to him again. And he's, I think he's okay with that. But, uh, you know, that would get people watching. <laughs> what in oh, the world is he going to say? Well, unfortunately, the ship has sailed, and, and uh, he's kind of faded into wherever he wants to be right now. But Craig Ferguson, I've I've thought for years, would just be the ultimate host. He should be hosting every show just because he picks on both sides, and and or you don't necessarily need to be get political and as part, especially not as an Oscars night. But just take some jet, everybody but not in as mean spirited, although still funny way that Ricky Gervais does it. Yeah. Well, that, that segues into what I actually wanted to talk about was, is there a way we could, they, that the Oscars could be fixed and make people show up again? And I have my own ideas, but one would definitely be a better host. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel is a joke and, and not in a good way. He needs to go, right. man. 
He's he's so divisive and so unpleasant and just I mean, I don't I mean, I used to like him when he, you know, many many years ago, but these days he just makes my skin crawl. Oh. He's such a snake. Well, when he first took over as as his late the late night show, I liked him then. Again, yeah. you know, uh, success begets laziness though. And he yeah. he's just evolved into a propagandist. Yeah, I I mean, I I'm back uh I was a Jimmy Kimmel fan back uh, with the man show i uh me and my roommate we would you know make sure we had a lot of beer on hand and we watched the man <laughs> show and we chugged beers with him and it was great and he wasn't afraid to you know uh you know girls on trampolines and he he just had fun and now he's just towing the line and i i liked him quite a bit when he was on the ben stein show his yeah. role in that yeah same here yeah and ben stein's money that was great and, and that's why I say he's a snake, because I, I really feel like that's who he really is, is those shows. And then when the culture took a, le- a left turn, he just completely changed so that he, he could stay popular in, in the, the current culture and did so right. just in such an ugly way to try to overcompensate. So he's now he's just now he's just like the most unlikable lefty ever. And, uh, and he works for ABC, who needs yeah. to keep their, their woke agenda rolling, just despite... It sinking he's, their ship. He's towing the company line. Yep. And so, he, he sold out to get what he what he figured he needed, and uh, which was success, continued success. Um, you know, I notice uh, him and Adam Carolla don't collab very often anymore. And uh, do they you know, at all? No, I don't think so. Uh, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with that sort of. I don't know Adam Carolla, but I've listened to his podcast and he seems to talk terribly and horribly about everybody who does something terrible or horrible. And that's just not Jimmy Kimmel's thing. Well, and it goes back to what we said. It's the tribal thing and he's not going to Kimmel. I don't think, and Carolla might, might as well, but Kimmel would not seem amenable to extending in what would amount to an olive branch to an alternative way of thinking. Yeah. And Carolla is most definitely just the fact that he's a free thinker makes him an alternative way of thinking to Kimmel. Yeah, yeah, yeah unafraid to just make fun of the stuff that's funny, no matter who it offends, and you know whether it's making fun of Trump or making fun of Biden or the woke or the religious right, he'll just make fun of people. He doesn't care if it sounds ridiculous to him. You're going to get some of his clever stuff, you know, and. That's how it should be, you know, write jokes about the things you think are funny and see where it goes. It works. It works. It doesn't. It doesn't. You move on to the next joke. Yeah. It's either all funny or none of it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need, uh, we definitely need better, a a better host for the next, the next uh, ceremony. If we want anybody to tune in, because I don't think anybody's going to want to watch Kimmel again. Well, I, yeah. I got another one. And have you guys uh, been watching any of the new season of South Park, especially the the one where they uh, ripped on uh, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle? And so I think <laughs> Matt, uh, Trey, Trey and Matt would be great as hosts. Yeah, there you go. Only if they wear those dresses they wore that one time. Yes. And, the, and they're on acid like they were that time. That was, <laughs> they, were, they were literally that, on acid when they, when they showed up. Was that the same night when they yeah. did the Jennifer Lopez stuff? Yep, that was that. Yeah, they were literally. They said later they were literally on acid because they thought it was that ridiculous. 
Yep. <laughs> hey, but did they throw so a libertarian? I'm sorry. Did they what, Marty? Did they throw a no hitter on acid? That's what I want to know. Ah, well, we'll sing that song for Doc Ellis another night. Classic <laughs> reference. I yeah, I would absolutely watch them hosting. Um, my my picks for who Chappelle should host hosting. Chappelle, oh man, that would be beautiful. They let they let him host SNL once a year now. Let him on. Yep, I'd watch for that. Hell, I'd watch if Steve. To be honest, I'd watch if Steve Martin. I don't know if he's not going to get it now, but Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin. That was a fairly well balanced show that they hosted a few years ago. Uh, to me, it was the most tolerable hosting jobs. Yeah, I would be okay with. Uh... Uh, a more of a right leaning and a more of a left leaning sort of just going at it, just sort of jabbing at each other and Hollywood. But, you know, if you just get one side of the story, it's just, it just gets so tiresome. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how how do we fix it? Well, and then it goes back to how do we fix Hollywood? And then it's just one, well, that's, one that's bit a much, at a time. That's a much bigger conversation. Well, I know uh, how you don't, you can't. Yeah, well, yeah, just, well, you've got to let it sink sink on its own merit, and you know, just the fact that you know, Jesus Revolution movies like that, right, right leaning movies are getting better. They're reaching a wider audience, bit by bit, just every little swing. And I don't, and again, I don't want to be an echo chamber of just all these right leaning movies, but just movies that are enjoyable. That's all I want. Maverick didn't have a political agenda at all or a religious agenda at all. Entertain me. Cocaine Bear entertained the hell out of me. And the other side of that coin um, would be uh, Schitt's Creek. Yes. I don't, I don't care that the son was gay and he had a boyfriend. and all. I don't care. It was a funny show. It wasn't about the brother being gay. The brother was gay, but that's all. There wasn't a show about that. They didn't shoehorn anything in, and it was funny. Except in the last season, there was so much focus on I, yeah, gay relationship. Out of my mouth. Yeah, and every episode, oh, we're getting having our gay marriage next week, and let's talk more about the gay marriage and our gay relationship. And it went on and on and on. And I'm mm-hmm. like, is there going to be a joke at some point here, or are we just going to talk about the gay marriage for ten minutes? That is <laughs> it got all. But I, but overall, I agree that the show actually had a really good balance of not making of not pushing agenda uh, when it came to those kind of things. It was it was all about the laughs. Because yeah, I always notice right away, oh, here we go. And on that show, I never did it. Well, you're right about I, my biggest complaint about the last season or the last, you know, several episodes was wasn't I, I don't care what the content was. It wasn't funny. It wasn't it did. It wasn't written well. It wasn't. No, like you, like you said, they may have just got sidetracked on making sure they everybody get squeeze out the last few drops of the lemon on the ratings. Success begets laziness. Sure, sure. Unless you're Tom Brady. You got a point there. All right. I stand. There there are exceptions to the rule, most certainly. But I I, I still I mean, there's just not enough Chris Elliott in the final season. Is there ever <laughs> enough Chris Elliott in anything? <laughs> well, I, I think our producer would disagree would disagree with you on that one. But that's okay. We've already Ted. talked about my, that. My, my <laughs> mileage varies. Mileage varies. Fair enough. Yeah, it does. That's a, that's a, it's, you know, it's yeah. My wife can't stand him. I admit, and Eric and I talked about this, which is why he's calling me out, is because I admitted that back in the David Letterman days, Chris Elliott annoyed the crap out of me. But 
that being said, you know, in Shit's Creek, I actually grew to appreciate him just because of his character in there. And it was, it became endearing. Yeah. I don't know who he was in that. that and that, that was not a, a purposeful calling you out of just saying <laughs> that some people okay, don't find Chris that. Elliott as funny as others. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I'm, I'm on the side of, I don't find them as funny as you two do. I, I, I think he's done funny things, but I'm yeah. not a, I wouldn't call myself a Chris Elliott fan. I think there's things that he's yeah, done. I'm that still not a fan, but That's yeah, it. he's Chris less Elliott. annoying than he used to be. Chris Elliott cabin boy, not funny. Chris Elliott in small doses, I find funny. Yeah, I mean, get a life. That was, you know, that was good. It was, it was. Well, yeah, when when you got your dad, comic genius, helping you along on that one. So that's true. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. dad's Sam Elliott. Yeah. Yeah, I rewatched Groundhog Day just a little while ago, and man, the the way he played off of Bill Murray in that movie was was really good actually because Bill Murray was playing such a sad sack and Chris Elliott was kind of this kind of chipper boy scout type character the kind of weird but 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 had the, the energy the, the way they bounced off each other was was actually really good in that movie and uh, you know definitely a, you know a smaller doses situation because he, he he was very much a supporting role but but uh, the w- the way they interacted and some of the some of the just digs that Chris Elliott got in in that movie were really good. I think as a as a supporting like as as a character actor, he's he's very very funny. But yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe big uh, something like Cabin Boy, where it's just his persona all the time. Maybe is a bit much. I agree, I agree on that. He'll always be the man under the stairs for me. But yes, uh, very good in li- limited roles since then. He's a the good supporting actor. Definitely. Hey, should Chris Elliott host the Oscars? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, still better. He just said small doses, please. Yeah, still, <laughs> still better than Kimmel. Still a better choice than Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, I agree. And oh, and as it progresses, you know, he just gets uh, more more physically repugnant, like in something about Mary. <laughs> oh, really do a throwback i reached on that one i i will not deny it but you know it's uh it's the old letterman letterman thing any work any joke worth doing is worth overdoing don't believe that anymore but anyhow but folks we did it we we did it an hour long no prep freestyle we can, well, I like it. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's good or bad but i don't know i had fun guys and and and, and gal <laughs> Yes, I liked it. I liked it, and the the, the occasional the occasional uh, jumping in and out from the deucer. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Deuce, for for helping us when we uh, needed it. Hey, that's what <laughs> I do. Often? I'm here. Producer, I barely know her. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. um, I. I may or may not catch hell for that one later, but anyhow, <laughs> no, all over the place, audience. Thank you all for tuning in. And I, and I mentioned earlier, this is show number one thirty, but technically it's season one or just show thirty. And I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank always uh, Jim, Marty, uh, coming along on, on this little podcast journey that we do, and Christine, especially. Thank you for being on board the last few months. Uh, I'm having a ball doing this. I, I hope that our listeners are continuing to, to spread the word on it and we've, we've had some great guests this year and we of course we freestyle just the three three four of us tonight 
but we've got some great guests coming up. Uh, old friend of mine, uh, AJ Laird, uh, actor, and he's coming up later this month. And we've got uh, we've reached out, uh, and we're going to be uh, touching base with the uh, the guys in Old 97s tomorrow. They're in town here in Phoenix. And going to be talking to them and uh, Christine. Who who else is potentially on our agenda right now? Let's throw oh, some, well, some some I, Bobby Seldom style like... teasers. They're not jinxes. These are teasers. Okay. I catch us. Yeah, I just I hate to mention anything. You catch us. <laughs> well, more, more, more to come. We'll just say more to come. Several people. Yeah. But. Yes. I mean, Eddie and the cruisers and all kinds of wonderful things that we could be going into soon. That's that's right, guys. Think nothing but good thoughts on that one. The fact, If we can get Michael Pere in the 40th anniversary year for Eddie and the cruisers, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to contain me. <laughs> me both, man. Think you can get Kimmel? <laughs> <laughs> we can at least reach out. Yeah. Be hilarious. It'd be a five-minute roast, and then he'd leave. <laughs> oh, he'd last thin skin. He'd last thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll we'll quicker get um, Corolla. Hmm. Ooh. Well, I'm I, would, I think Corolla would be fantastic, but he's only got about a billion people listening to his podcast. It doesn't hurt. You never know. But but AJ's for sure. I'm looking forward to having my, my old friend on show and uh, talking about he's got uh, so many projects coming up this year, so many projects he's already got in the can, and we're going to discuss what it's like to be an independent actor in, in uh, today's cinematic climate. So that's coming up soon, later this month. And till then, everyone, thanks, as always, for listening all over the place. Marty, Christine, thanks for, thanks for being part of Team AOTP, and we'll be back with you soon, folks, here on All Over the Place.